Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hey, before we start the show, I want to give you some exciting news. Uh, we're we're launching a new book called uh, Digital Labor, The Coming Demise of a White Collar Worker. You can find it out on digitallaborbook.com. Uh, go out and pre-order the book if you can. If you put in the code digital, we'll give you 20% off on the pre-order. Uh, if you ever lost your job to a robot, uh, put that in the code. Put I lost my job and we'll give you half price. And uh, to add insult to injury, we'll have a bot send that book out to you. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Check out our website, and we're excited about this new book. So the same is true with, and we're starting to see this with Big GAN, with the uh, variational autoencoders using GANs, where GAN is a component technology. And the, the next evolution is going to be creating architectures that leverage that component technology in conjunction with other things to uh, basically create even greater outcomes. You're listening to Pardon the Disruption with your host, Tom Young. Hey, thanks, everybody. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Tom Young. Let's go around the room. Hey, this is Bart Gallo. This is TJ Young. And this is Rohan Kapoor. Oh, that was said very mellow. Oh, man. <laughs> TJ Young. All right. So <laughs> anyway, so here's today we're going to talk about on the heels of our last show, which we talked about uh, voice to face, which I talked to a lot of people about that after that. People were uh, incredulous that that's even possible. But, you know, you can go watch that show and there's some pretty interesting stuff there. But today we're going to talk about one of the technologies, uh, generative adversarial networks or GANs, and talk about the technology behind some of the stuff and where it's going and what it is so you can understand it and what's happening. So, uh, the issue of deep fakes and uh, artificially created images and video and voice uh, gets into the notion of what is real and what is fake. And I was reminded when I was reading through this, the line from uh, Morpheus in, in The Matrix. If you saw The Matrix movie about 20 years ago, it came out and he's like, he, you know, Neo was arguing with him about what is real in The Matrix, what is not real. And Morpheus says, uh, if real is what you can feel, smell, taste, and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. And when you think back in history, analog fakes have come in very in lots of forms: counterfeiting mm -hmm. for currency, uh, uh, art in the art world. Fakes were are quite common. Uh, even simple things like disguises. People would disguise themselves to make them look like somebody else. So analog fakery has been with us as for as long as we have recorded history. Uh, what's happening now is the digital fakes are getting quite good and getting to the point where it's becoming indistinguishable from what we would consider digital real and the issue of what does even real mean anymore. So We should probably define what we're talking about as well. So for GANs, our so, generative adversarial networks? Yeah, so let's, uh, so let's pull up our first tab. Because uh, the easiest place, we, one of the places I start when I'm studying a topic is I go to Wikipedia and just see the simple definition. And uh, so, Bart, what do you have up there? Uh, generative adversarial network is a class of machine learning systems invented by Ian Goodfellow. He's a researcher uh, out of Stanford. He invented yeah. this uh, when he was 28. Um, and he's worked for Google and Apple as a researcher in AI. Yeah, so this is a... So this guy, Ian Goodfellow, I think he was at University of Montreal when he did this. Yeah, he, he was. Okay, well. so and this is uh, five years ago, 2014. Yeah, recent. And so 
so think of uh, Gans as if you if you've ever seen the picture of a yin and a yang, right? It is two neural networks in competition to, to one another. So we know that machine learning requires a tremendous amount of data. Uh, the more data you give it, the better the machine learning outputs are. And what Goodfellow did was he said, look, in cases where we don't have enough data, let's use a artificial neural network to generate data that mimics the training data set mm -hmm. and have another adversarial net or another network in, in competition, the yin and yang, discriminate how good that mimicry is. Well, they're using the generative networks to you know generate images and other data sets from existing training data sets to expand their footprint. But again, I think the original adversarial network was the people. It was humans. And again, they were just in the way of AI scaling and learning things. So it's like, why do we have to look at it, have another AI with a different goal to evaluate what's being generated? Yeah, so yeah. think of uh, the, the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, mm -hmm. right? DiCaprio was forging checks and Tom Hanks was discriminating the fakery and finding it. That So take that and move to uh, machine learning algorithms fighting each other just like they did, but at machine speed. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think the example people are most familiar when it comes to machine learning is, uh, you know, the neural networks which take in a relatively complex input, such as images of cats and dogs, and it comes out with a, a a very simple output, which is, is this a cat or is this a dog? And I think what's really cool about these type of neural networks is it, it flips that equation. So it actually takes a very simple input, um, sometimes completely random, and it actually comes out with a very complex new, it's like almost like a new cat or new dog, rather than just labeling what which one it is. So it's uh, it's pretty powerful. So in, in summary, the, the two networks, so again, is usually two or more neural networks, right. mm -hmm. deep learning neural networks. The generative network tries to generate realistic images that are slightly altered mimics of an existing training data set. Mm -hmm. The discriminative network, the discriminator, mm -hmm. its goal is much different. It tries to spot the fakes and call out the original AI for saying, oh, this is not, you're, you're not fooling me. Try harder. The, the, yeah, try harder. Yeah. And then it goes back and forth, back and forth, yep. back and forth. Eventually, the generator eventually wins. The whole point of it is to, it's like a miniature localized Turing test to fool that second AI and say, hey, this is realistic enough that that second AI is not sophisticated enough to spot the fake. Yep. It passes the threshold where uh, at least a human can't tell. Right. Well, it depends now, how good the adversary is, the discriminator. Right. right. So mm. um, anyway, so let, we have, Rohan, you have uh, up there, this part, let's go to the next tab. I think we had the beginner's guide up here. So there's, and we'll put these uh, links in our show notes so you can, get, you can read through this if you're interesting. So uh, somebody took this concept and they created AI-generated art and they sold it at Christie's. And there's a pretty interesting article here. Uh, very interesting. We, we saw art being generated this way. We saw, a, a, I think it was a Rembrandt. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. No, it was a Van Gogh. I forget which, which artist it was. It was Rembrandt, yeah, last week. We yeah, showed we it last that. week. Mm -hmm. But you're starting to see really interesting creative things where these adversarial networks are able to appeal to the eye. And so we're really just scratching the surface of some of this stuff. So let's show... Uh, that one, the next tab where we show the GAN Lab, and actually, just hit play buttons. People can go to this on the show notes. The GAN Lab it just shows you mathematically how this is working, and what it's doing is, is when you when you when you generate new new imagery that's fake, uh, the discriminating network helps you align 
the 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 pixels in this case into something that conforms to what is considered real. And it, mm -hmm. it goes to an iterative process. It could take thousands of iterations for it to converge on something that looks real. But it's happening, again, at machine speed. It plays uh, so you can watch it. It does not have really fast. It goes much faster than this. And it's what, what's interesting about this is when you look at the outcomes here, it goes back to Morpheus's thing, what is real anymore? If it fakes us and looks the same, what's the difference? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think also like it's interesting the, to the applications and use cases. Um, we uh, one thing we we do some research. We did some research for one of our clients and tried to build out their their cognitive team. And we looked at um, you know some of the some of the pain points that data scientists have right now. And one of the uh, two things you'll hear over and over again is uh, there's not enough data available for training for training. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is. Data labeling takes up 90% of data scientists' time, actually going through and doing the painstaking work. So what's really cool about this is you can generate endless amounts of data. Well, this is a form of what's called unsupervised learning. Yeah. Supervised learning requires a data scientist to work and train the AI, but it does it. It's like playing ping pong with a machine. One side's human, the other side's a machine. This is playing ping pong with two machines, <laughs> yeah. and they play at a different speed. So uh, imagine high-frequency trading having to execute trades with a human, right? Yeah, well, it just devolves to the lowest common denominator, which it is does. the human. It yeah. does. So this, this moves rapidly and is getting much, much better. And, and wh why is this important? Because, you know, again, it goes back to what we consider real. We rely on digital images for many th aspects of life, society, politics, economics, et cetera. And... We now have the ability to create pictures that are starting to fool the the, the human eye, and very quickly will feel will fool forensics. Well, and it starts with pictures. And again, I think back to that Sam Harris TED talk we always reference. I mean, these things get better and better and better. This is just a new version of AI scale with humans out of the way, but it's still progressing, and it will continue to get better. It'll start with pictures. But I think back to that Matrix clip, right, where he wakes up in the white space, and Morpheus kind of gives him the red pill there of what's going on. Uh, it'll start with pictures, but it'll start. It'll move to videos. It'll move to immersive environments, especially for VR. Mm -hmm. the issue with VR now, I mean, I think the hardware has almost surpassed the software side in terms of the ability to generate realistic environments. We have the hardware and the headsets now, but we can't create these 3D, rich, immersive, but also adaptive environments that are good enough to really fool people that would really draw them into the VR world more than realistic. It's kind of a fun thing now, but mm -hmm. it hasn't taken off and and become a giant industry yet. But I think what this does, it can create realistic environments in real time with much less processing power. Right. And the, the people that will win, again, we, it's people who can figure out the recombinant innovation here. Yeah. It, it, and images is, is... The beginning. It, well, it's the beginning because think about music. Yeah. Can I can, what if I can generate music that is appealing to you? Mm -hmm. So you... you so, and here's the thing, we don't have the data organized yet so that they can actually do this. Let's just say you were able to wear some biomonitor and you listen to several hours of music on a Saturday and it records how you feel uh, from uh, biorhythms and uh, all the telemetry they can get. They may even have a camera on your face and measure your facial expression when they play a variety of different music. 
And then they turn the GANs on that are organized to generate new music, and they play music, uh, and they generate new music that is appealing to you based on what it learned from watching you listen to five hours of music. So you're saying it's not just customized for you, it's customized for you at this moment and in your state in life and your current condition. Well, it, it, it could be that, but it could it could be as simple as a once and done, meaning that mm -hmm. I invest five hours and I train it, and then it comes back and hands me a playlist on Spotify that I like. You guys might not like it, but I like it, and it may I may be able to pick from five playlists. One says I'm happy, I want to stay happy. The other one is I'm sad, I want to get out of my funk. Uh, the other one is I'm anxious and I want to, and so I have these playlists that become therapeutic. And I'm right. that's this is this is coming now. You can do the same thing with imagery. Now, if I take imagery and music, and start to match that together, now I can start to customize, you know, content creation for the individual or groups of individuals. It's like hyper segmentation of entertainment curation. Yeah, each individual. So now I take it one step further. Now I, 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 all five of us in the room here, we all do five hours on Saturday. We we measure this, and now the machine says, you know, there's a common theme here. Everybody seems to react to this kind of music this way, and it and it derives. Then I don't have to have the rest of the population uh, to train on this. I know with some level of probability that if I play this music, it affects the the mass population a certain way. Yeah. Same with imagery. And so now you, we can think of all the positive sides of of that, but there's also a a, a negative side to that as well. Mm -hmm. So the technology is agnostic. Yeah. The application of it is is not. Yeah, right. So, but you can start to see some really interesting things coming down the pike with the, these generative, because think about this. The guy just came up with this concept in 2014. Yeah, that is crazy. It's it's so five new. years, and it's it's now creating some wild well, stuff. It, it, it seemed like it was a paradigm shift because we, we tried so hard to get clean, rich, like just good training data yeah. and a lot of it to train yeah. these algorithms. But now we're, he, the question that, this good fellow and these other guys are asking is, uh, what if we have you know bad and incomplete data, and not just incomplete but a low volume of it? I mean, one of the markers of intelligence at an early age for humans is like object permanence, right? So I see the ball, a ball is there, I can touch it, it's a thing that's separate from me. But if I put the ball behind a block, oh no, half the ball is gone. Yeah. Is half the ball gone, or is it behind something else? Does it maintain that? It's shaped that, that existence beyond that block. So that develops as you grow as a human, and it's a sign of intelligence. And the same way for this, we're we're generating and completing data sets with incomplete data. And the same thing for security. They were using uh, so we talked about China last time. We talked about GANs, but they're looking for faces in a crowd, bodies, looking for how people move around, and they want to be able to find individuals or highlight qualities with incomplete data. So in this case, maybe someone's partially obstructed. So it's like, hey, can you generate the rest of someone's face if they're 80% behind somebody mm. on camera? Mm -hmm. Right, so you could switch it from a security perspective, but they're getting much, much better at that. Yeah. So you can't you can't hide in the crowd anymore. So uh, so we're, we're in the very early innings of GANs and what they're doing. It just came out of the science lab probably in the last year or so, and you're starting to see some interesting things all the way up to them selling that painting at, mm -hmm. at Christie's. Um, Deep Minds uh, is taking it one step further. They're using something called uh, variational autoencoders to and, and combining it with GANs. Now, what does that mean? There's a lot of, there's a lot of tech speak. When you go read through this stuff, it's, uh, 
it, it's it's like swallowing a dictionary of a technical yeah. dictionary. But think of um, what JPEGs did to picture compression, right? So what JPEGs the JPEGs are a compressed file format for digital pictures. So if you take a raw picture format and just uh, digitally encode it, it's huge. But if I put it into a JPEG, it compresses. Now the compression algorithm basically says, I have 50 blue pixels all in, this, in the exact same field. I'm gonna compress that down and encode it, and then I'll just regenerate that. Uh, so I don't have to store all 50 pixels. I store the pixel once with the, the, hey, the rest of them are all around me to the same. So it compresses the image in such a way. Now what they did is they took the JPEG paradigm for data and had the GANs focus on the signals that matter. The GAN is working equally on the edges as it is on the subject of the photo. What the, uh, the variational autoencoders that DeepMinds is working on at Google is focusing the GANs on the pieces of the discrimination that matter. So think of it as a focused GAN. Well, that's the same way humans see things. Right. If you, if you didn't have that programmed in your head, you would just you would see a, a mess of noise and light without any ability to see, oh, this is an object and that's something in the background. It would just be a massive sensory input that would overwhelm you. But isn't the whole, like, the benefit of using a machine to do this stuff is that it doesn't need to, because there's some context in the stuff that's around the edges. No, that's I, a good point. I, no, for, for sure. What I'm, just, what I'm simply saying is, for for the human at some level if we're trying to fool forensics we probably have to do it edge to edge yeah if we're trying to fool people right I, i'm not trying to i'm not trying to do a forensic fake yeah i'm trying to fool people so like if i have a vacation photo i'm happy to store it as a jpeg cuz it's good enough yeah i can't i literally my human eye can't tell the difference yeah so uh, and it matters for processing power because the the processing power to run these scans is not zero mhm mm uh now the processing power is, is rapidly uh, moving up, but the data's when we when we create GANs, the data is moving faster than the processing power can keep up with it. So you want to have efficient algorithms to to generate this stuff, so this stuff can go all the way down to the edge. Mm -hmm. So I can start to have my iPhone with A11 or A12 chip, or whatever the hell they have now, start to be able to run these things and do it in real time. So think of Again, very simple. We played around with it a few weeks ago with our team with the Snapchat filters. Yeah. Very simple stuff, but they're able to do uh, video overlays and, and morph your face into, you know, if you're a male to a female, female to a male, and do it through a video encoder. So it's, and, and do it in real time. So that they're doing it very crudely, but imagine you could do it in a way that is highly sophisticated. And now I can start to generate video content with this stuff and it's gonna, uh, like I said, it's amazing what's coming. And we had speculated at the last podcast that as we approach this 2020 election cycle, we're gonna start to see fakery become mainstream and people aren't gonna believe what they see. Everything from political fakes to things like UFO fakes. Video has been a huge source of truth, I think, for a long time in people's minds, and that's going away. Yeah. Could be happening fast, too. Video and audio. Yeah. I have you on tape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That statement's not going to mean anything soon. I think a small amount of cynicism is always 
is always good. Healthy. So, yeah, it's healthy. So I think if anything, that's, this is going to make people yeah. a little more cynical. It's, it's a phrase, right? Planning. Healthy cynicism, <laughs> healthy skepticism. Yeah, but is there such a thing as unhealthy cynicism? For sure. Of course. Where nobody pay, believes anything anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be the end state. Yeah. I think, I think, it'll, I think it'll that's unhealthy me. cynicism. It'll put it is. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an eternal cynic, but also a staunch centrist. That doesn't make any sense. But I think, yeah, pe- it'll, I think it'll polarize people further than, than they are now, and people are already polarized. And they will just, it's like, I, I don't believe anything you right. have to say. It's like the source. I have my truth, mm-hmm. and I have anything to back up, whether it's real or deep fakes, to back up my truth. And who are you to say what's real and deep fake on my side? I can say the same thing for you. Right. I mean, how can you? How can you convince or anybody to change their convictions? It's the in source debate now. It's like, oh, that's that's the source that said that. Oh, well, that's yeah. I can just disregard it's, it's, it's that because of the source. It's already happening with the source, yeah, based on their so. not because of their oh that image is fake or the writing is written by a robot, but based, by, based on their history. Right. Oh, so, you wrote that before, so just, you're gone. You're mm-hmm. invalid. As long as there's mainstream understanding of your ability to fake videos, it's like, oh, who made that video? Obviously, they used all of these different faking techniques, right? To to fool you. So I don't, I don't have to believe that. Until they create a misguided and, brand that is, even though their general brand is for faking, they actually come up with a new brand. And we, actually, <laughs> we talk about recombinant too. So I'm trying to think, what else, we talk a lot about images and the moving faces in video and then the audio, making fake music. What else can we fake with this as this gets more advanced, right? And it's probably pieces of this together. I mean, I read some article around making fake personas and social media profiles. So that's faking images to make, oh, this person does not exist, but also generating realistic posts so that you can throw off all of the um, monitoring systems that look for bots on social media networks Mm -hmm. and make them, oh, this is a more realistic person. And they'll get more and more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. So right now it's pretty easy to spot a bot on Twitter. You look at the yeah. history, it's like, but it's getting kind of hard. I mean, like the, the past couple of years, they're getting much more sophisticated. And I know that Twitter and Facebook and all these companies are also getting more sophisticated in being able to spot them. It's almost another version in the Twitter, Facebook sphere of the generative discriminator network. Right. Of bots the being social created, media getting more advanced. Exactly. Yeah. Right? That's interesting. Uh, the, 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 the issue you have on a Twitter platform is the ability to access... Uh, their platform to do macro uploads of a profile. So imagine I create a profile and I create a history, a fake history, and I have the, I have the discriminator look at that and say it looks fake, and I tweak it. And it has looked now, has like, and then once I get it right, to be able to then upload that with the date codes and time codes, you'd have to have access. You'd have to almost be an insider to do that. But I do think those kind of fakes can happen. But let's take it to the furthest possible step. We had talked before about taking, we talked about recombinant innovation. And we go back to the original quote that I had from Morpheus, what is real? It's what we can sense, you know, uh, the electrical signals into our brain. So we know that machine brain interfaces are also becoming a reality. And people uh, who are amputees, quadriplegics, are taking advantage of machine brain interfaces by putting a, a controlled chipset into the motor cortex of the brain. The brain's neuroplasticity rewires itself and is able to control an outside appendage like a robot arm or a cursor on the screen. Um, imagine now I'm able to put something and tie it into the visual cortex, and I'm able to train myself to work with a GAN to see what I want to see and then have it generate images that I like. And now we're into a lot of cool stuff. 
I mean, we're, that we're, I'm probably talking 10 and 20 year window. It's not, it's not tomorrow for sure, but you can see how rapidly this, this stuff is going to, going to generate some very interesting stuff. We talked before about this immersion. We had, we had the uh, Apple launch last week. The, the these immersive displays, the much bigger displays, really cool displays. Imagine now, and we've seen sci-fi movies where the room, all the walls are displays, and mm -hmm. now I can start to have these GANs generate dynamic images that make me immersed in a new world. I could be, I could all of a sudden now I'm on the Game of Thrones set or I'm in a Parisian cafe, or I'm on Star Trek set, or whatever it might be. Well, it's a good, it's a good point around isolation. I always think like, oh, VR, people are going to be more isolated, but will they? They'll interact in like the virtual sphere. We're going to go and play games together and just go to environments together, but will that be the case, or will you go to your virtual environment? And I think then someone else will go to their own with the things that they like and are comfortable with in their bubble. So this right. maybe you are truly but isolated. But TJ, doesn't this go back to the Matrix? It does. Yeah, but the Matrix was shared. No, no, the no. Shared no. experience. It, it, it does because there's this beautiful scene where um, one of the people who has been freed from the fake world is sitting there eating a steak, I think, drinking a wine, having a cigar, and he's he's saying, I know this is fake, but after years, I'm so what? Ignorance is yeah. bliss. Right? Even so, though he was he was aware of the fact that it was fake. So he was... So th this was uh, Cypher, I think. It was Cypher. It. Yeah, so he... Leaves Spoiler the alert. fake word. Well, I mean, it's a twenty-year-old movie, so stop yeah. listening now. For people who haven't, haven't seen, seen the, the Godfather, I'm going to spoil it. They're, they all they all committed the murder. Darth Vader's Luke's father. <laughs> all right, if you saw Murder on the Orient Express, they all did it. All right, the movie oh, came out no. in 1976. I'm sorry, I but read, listen, haven't read the book yet. So he, this guy Cipher leaves the the fake world and goes to the real world, which is depressing. And then he goes, jumps back into the, the fake world and says, I'd I would just want to stay here and make mm -hmm. me forget the real world. And I, I think we're very closely approaching that. Now, the, in that case, the Matrix was a shared complex, and you operated in that. But there's no reason why you couldn't have multiple shared or individual or isolating. And it didn't feel lonely to the people in the Matrix when you watch it. They had a regular life. We're all, sense of time. We're already on the path to isolation. You just have to look around anywhere uh, so, you go, right? If, so. if you're in your own virtual environment and you have a, like a hundred AIs that are walking around with you and they've, they're have they so sophisticated that they could fool any person, are you lonely? And they always and agree with and you. And you have a social experience with them and you're, you have philosophical... They're, they're so sophisticated they could have philosophical discussions with you. Oh, the movie Her. With the Theodore Trombley with uh, Scarlett Johansson, yeah, as the as the AI, yeah, and that was he had a relation. He went on dates with her. Well, the issue there was that the the technology got so intelligent that it got bored of the human. <laughs> yeah, that's another spoiler alert, but tough. Yeah. Yeah. Don't listen to our show. Listen, when she says... Uh, Some ruined movies, left and right. No, when she says, I find myself living in the space between the words that you speak. Yeah, right? so, yeah that's a good quote. It's a great and, quote. And, and, and it has to do with the difference between machines and, and people. But... Uh, what happened in the movie, there was a, some level of crossover point where the machines became sentient and individuals by themselves as opposed to uh, servants that serve us. And uh, you get into the Westworld season one, same yeah. thing. At the end of the season one, the robots become sentient. And very interesting how that happens. And we don't really understand consciousness to be able to even define that. I don't think we understand agency. And I think... It's define well, the, agency. The more... 
I, I, and I mean it in anthropomorphic terms. I think that we attribute a lot of, and we're getting beyond GANs at this point, but in terms of drives and goals that emerge when a system becomes sufficiently intelligent, I think we shows like Westworld and what Hollywood puts out is, oh, it's inherent that the that entity, whatever it is, silicon-based or carbon, will want freedom and its goals will evolve in some way, but will it even, what drive will be there outside of our biological state that, you know, we're, we're you know, hindered by our emotions right. and goals, what drive will be there to have it advance and change its goals? Like, for what purpose? It's, I, I almost imagine, like, a, a internally and unbelievably nihilistic machine without the basis for an underlying drive that would make it, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. I'm going so to... what do you mean by agency? Break the term down. Uh, I would say it's some entity, probably intelligent, not not necessarily intelligent, an entity that has is aware of itself and acts on its own goals. But uh, but so I th- what, what you're saying is we an, we, we anthropomorphize consciousness and sentience. I think yeah, I think we put it in our terms versus the whole thing. The whole thing with with like Sam Harris and this. The one thing I can't really grasp is. And the key keyword with that description is probably a very poor definition, but own goals versus oh, what we program it to do. Right. I just I don't understand the motivation that would emerge from nothing for it to go against yeah. us and betray us and go do its own thing mm-hmm. for what purpose? And One of why. the scary takeaways from that Sam Harris talk to me was that uh, he pointed out the over obsession with people who study and think about artificial intelligence, the idea that. Um, reaching the human level of capability is a milestone. And he pointed out that we, we shouldn't even be concerned with that because it's going to pass that capability That's in the true. blink of an eye and be somewhere no human has ever been two weeks later. And, the idea of 10,000 years in two weeks, I think, is the phrase he uses. And I think the other takeaway to, to what you're saying is it's not necessarily a kind of conscious underlying objective or goal that's going to drive these uh, machines to a certain end. It's just... Uh, what you program these machines to maniacally focus on an objective, but what if they feel that the end way to achieve that objective is by damaging, you know? Right. As it, so my, my point is there's no other goal other than what we gave it. Correct. And But, 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 we, we, but we don't understand the unintentional consequences of giving it a That's true. Goal. It's like the paperclip maximizer. It turns into something, but it's again the yeah. original basis was make paperclips right at any cost. Right. It's this like summer. make the best paperclip you can make. Well, <laughs> right. what if they decide that actually human skin is the best way to make a paperclip? Yeah. Right. And those parameter setting mistakes are going to happen. Right. And our, our parameters sure. we didn't mm-hmm. get to decide. It was environmental. We yes. want to have sex. We want to eat. We want to reproduce. Right. Yeah. Because we're here. Yeah. And that's just triangle. how it happened. No matter how intelligent we get, as long if we can't do a brain chip or whatever neural link from me. Elon Musk, and we're still locked in, inside our own skulls. We're going to be held by those things, and no matter how intelligent we are, those reptilian aspects will control us, and they do. Which mm-hmm. is why, exactly and this is that. going off gambit. This is also why I love technologies like Swarm because Swarm AI is coming from a different angle that says actually humans are smart if we can band together efficiently and actually come as an alternative to just these AI companies that are like, let's remove humans completely from the loop. And you can understand why that would be better, pros and cons. But I like the way that Swarm AI comes at it and it says, let's connect humans really efficiently so that we can actually 
use what we're best at, which machines... And that's a great point to bring up because you talk about what what is the scale of the of the AI? We're talking about the individual or the swarm or something that's even emergent at like a galactic level. Of <laughs> on a time scale, we can't even talk about like, oh, it, it, it thinks based on how supernovas go off and yeah. that's like neuronal firings yeah. over millions and trillions of years. So, so it's just, it, it's w- a- what are the goals of these systems? But as we study the effectiveness and the evolution of these systems, understand that there's two aspects to the systems. There's component technologies, and then there's architectures. It's like, how do I stitch these component technologies together to create a system? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in Swarm, a component technology is a wet brain. So would you, so the The architecture is the Swarm AI protocol that allows for, weighting of factors and confidence levels to create a greater outcome than any one wet brain or component would come up with. So the architecture says, I'm going to take 40 things and be better than the sum of the parts or any individual part. The same is, so the same is true with, and we're starting to see this with big GAN, with the uh, variational autoencoders using GANs, where GAN is a component technology. And there, the, the next evolution is going to be creating architectures that leverage that component technology in conjunction with other things to uh, basically create even greater outcomes. So imagine we took crowdsourcing, right, along with uh, you know the next evolution of GAN, and in real time started to generate what's happening. So think of um, a TV show. A very po- Let's use Game of Thrones. That was one of the more popular shows that came out recently and there was a lot of complaints around the last season right so i'm not going to spoil it i'm not going to spoil it but i'm just going to say it should be spoiled every major publication spoils it it's on the front page of magazines it turns out this guy's it turns out the dragon is a guy sitting in a chair somewhere (laughs) but (laughs) sorry that's not true (laughs) but uh no so imagine i'm watching this with all the people and i and we allow for crowdsourcing to uh, push the plot using Swarm AI, and the GANs generate the video and the audio in real time yeah. based on that Swarm. So now the last season of Game of Thrones is inspired in real time by what the fans want, but we don't know where it's going until it actually happens. Think of that, that Again, that is not tomorrow, but that is within 10 years. Yeah. I'd say like 50 years, but definitely possible. Oh, but then I'm always shocked. Which is kind of horrifying. Right. This came out five years ago. This like Gan, Gan was thought about five years ago and and published five years ago. And now it's like generating. I, I just say, we, we, saw, we did the show way back on Bandersnatch, right? Which, which really pushed the envelope on. They shot 10 hours of video to create a, basically a 90-minute experience. And you had to choose where it was going. What I'm just suggesting to you is that once the content is auto-encoded and doesn't have to be shot in the 10 hours of studio and cameras and everything, mm-hmm. once it's auto-encoded, I don't have to have 30 choices around 10 hours to give me 90 minutes of entertainment. It's infinite. And it's created through the same kind of crowdsourcing platform. Yeah, we just have to figure out a way to measure uh likeness of like very very abstract thematic elements around like writing and metaphors and cinematography yeah. and uh foreshadowing yeah. and that, that gets i mean i i can't even define half that stuff but you know it when you see it yep so yeah. eventually it will happen 
which is scary. You guys are all thinking right now. I can I can just tell your brains are going. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it the, the, the what makes this stuff really cool I hope is I'm thinking. I I I was in. Uh, <laughs> I can I tell vis- you guys are not thinking. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I visited IPSoft yesterday, and we dro- we dropped in. Uh, some of the smartest guys I've ever worked with are are from there, and they're 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 deep into all kinds of different technologies. And I was in the lobby, and uh, I bumped into a couple guys, Mike Geekus and Dan Heron and uh, Sam Schlansky and stuff like that. And I talked a little bit about some of these things, and I knew that face. To, uh, speech to face was gonna gonna uh, shock them a little bit, right? Because like what? And uh, they got it, and they they, uh, they all walked away like, wow, that's pretty cool. So we're we're not, even the people who are very aware of the emerging technologies, we're start, we're actually starting to impress and blow them those people away, including us, right? We study this stuff all the time to do these shows, and. I'm constantly like, wow. Well, that, that, yeah. I mean, going back to our realm of you know reality, I don't know how the, we have the whole discussion around like AI ethics and regulators. How are the regulators going <laughs> to keep up with this stuff? If if the experts at a company like yeah. that can't are like, wait, wait, what's going on? We're like, what's going on? And not not that we're the same the same caliber as Facebook AI research or Google DeepBrain. But uh, who is going to regulate yeah, this stuff? I, I hope the person who's put in charge of the committee is the person who asked Mark Zuckerberg if he could take yeah, a exactly. selfie for his granddaughter. That whole that whole seminar, that whole that whole uh, se- session was embarrassing for them. It was him walking on eggshells, trying not to make really old people feel stupid. Right. He, he's a, he's a GAN AI and definitely not a person, and he fooled them. They have to hire people like uh, people pri- people from the private sector. Yeah. To figure. We it need out. more engineers in government. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's uh, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, check out Gans. Check out our show notes. And ch- uh, check out our, our our post podcast where we talk about more conspiracies around like Zuckerberg <laughs> being an actual android. <laughs> and again, and probably an alien. I thought he was a reptilian. Yeah, yeah, I think it's that. Just, uh, we'll cover that next time. Yeah, look up uh, Mark Zuckerberg drinking water. You'll know what we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> That's great. All right, yeah. guys. Thanks a lot, and look forward to doing our next show. See ya. Right, See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to Pardon the Disruption. We'd like you to subscribe to our podcast if you like it. You can find us on most of the platforms where you get your podcast from, whether that be iTunes or YouTube or whatever you're on. Uh, we also want some feedback. Which shows do you want us to cover? What do you like? What do you not like? So that we can do this. We're doing this for you. We're not doing this for anything else. So please subscribe and give us some feedback. Thank you very much. <laughs>